Chapter Two of From Mud to Mufti by Bruce Barron's Father. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, The Medical Board Mystery, Awaiting the Verdict, Light Duty. My home being in the country, a restful recovery was aided in every way. I progressed from day to day and rapidly sailed along in the direction of one of those mysterious and problematic institutions, a medical board. The London Hospital had given me sick leave, marking its termination with a compulsory visit to the above-mentioned medical board. Now a medical board is a curious institution. For very good reasons, no doubt, it has the following peculiarities. You never know where it's going to be held, or when until a few hours before it comes off. Say you have two months sick leave. Well, you get your notice to attend the medical board at the last place you have thought of, on the last day of that leave. A wire arrives giving time and place in such a way as to leave you a mere wisp of a chance for catching the only train that day to the appointed spot. My board was in Birmingham. I had for some days had my money on Salisbury or Warwick, but just as in the three-card trick, I was wrong again. The Birmingham Medical Board was held in an enormous impregnable building. With a few others I awaited my turn in a vast stone corridor. A row of massive polished doors faced us. On these are the various titles of the different medical and temporary owners. One by one my companions disappeared through one of these apertures. I felt like Ulysses as he watched the Cyclops daily reducing the number of his companions. At last your turn comes. A different door opens to the one you've had your eye on, and a hilarious combatant who has just got another month's sick leave is ejected. Behind him you see the Cyclops, a medical major generally who barks at you from behind the mahogany to come in. Inside you stand before an immense table covered with papers. Behind the table sit two of the board. The third member, there is generally a third, seems to have a sort of roving commission, lurking by the window or standing by the fire, ready, I suppose, to do anything from chucking you out to calling someone else in. You stand before the table. Nobody speaks, but the heaviest member of the board looks through a folio of papers. This folio comprises your history. The board read it to themselves and mutter to themselves, then, with an air of suspicion, as if they didn't believe for a moment that there had ever been anything the matter with you, one of them tells you to take off your coat. You now shyly approach them from the row of clothes hooks where you have hung your trappings, minus dignity and rank which, of course, you have left on the sleeves of your tunic. They've got you now, and they know it. They ask you how you feel. You are mesmerized into saying cheerfully, Quite all right. One of them produces that Y-shaped silver tube thing, and fitting it to his ears, he insinuates the loose end into the opening of your khaki shirt. A moment or two of this, then the board exchange mystic words and finally start writing on blue paper. One of them looks up and says, that will do. You can put your coat on. You retire to the clothes rack like an artist model and put your tunic on again. The board suddenly, two months light duty. It's over. You know your fate and to creep from the room is all that remains to be done. I left the room with as much military demeanor and nonchalance as I could summon, but on arriving out in the stone corridor, I found that, that flapping noise I heard behind me came from my braces, which I had omitted to put over my shoulders before replacing my tunic. 
It just shows how nerves can bring about one's undoing. I regained the entrance hall and thence passed out into the open air. Two months light duty. Well, that meant a return to my regiment's reserve depot. I hadn't been there since the start of the war, and now I was going back after many months of wanderings, trials, and adventures. I was keen and interested at the thought of going. Those faraway days at the beginning of the war seemed weird, romantic memories. Days when we had marched around and drilled and played, each day awaiting the command which we all longed for, the command to be sent to the front. I had left for the war a second lieutenant, from a bell tent in a sodden field. I was now returning a captain, with six months' war behind me. The second lap of my war race was beginning. End of chapter 2 Recording by Philip Gould